0: for this evening Ezra chapter number four as we're continuing our study looking at the book of Ezra and going through it and drawing out different things from it and uh, it's good to see Nathan with us this evening and uh, his father has made it all the way from Spain to visit us so <laughs> glad you're here with us this evening and uh, certainly a uh, joy to get to meet you in person after praying for for you and and uh, the work over there so it's good to see them here this evening Last time we looked at the book of Ezra, we covered chapter number three. We first looked at the preparation needed to rebuild the temple. Again, anytime you have a building project, and uh, like I mentioned this morning as well, there's a preparation process that needs to take place, and that's what we looked at from chapter number three. There was the timetable that was mentioned and the teamwork involved in making it all happen. The, layman, or excuse me, the laying of the foundation brought their praise to God. The priests set their apparel, they sang praises, and they shouted, Amen! These are all things that they were doing again to exalt God and think about their time of worship and praising God for all that He had done. Finally, this brought about a problem always when you 're trying to praise god satan 's going to bring a problem around, and that 's exactly what we looked at last time. There were some men who were celebrating and some that were sad because of all that was going on. The, the older men were looking back at what it looked like before and reflecting on the temple as it once was and saying that it was not anywhere close to what they were seeing now. Again, they they were focused on that, and yet the younger men were uh, looking at the joy and the excitement of all that was going on. God wanted the nation of Israel to be ready to move forward. But uh, again, to move forward, we must allow God to prepare us, prepare our hearts as we go in the direction He wants us to go. Um, Our hearts and minds must be engaged as we set to move onward to victory. So that was kind of a recap of what we looked at last week. Tonight, uh, again, uh, as we're looking here in Ezra chapter 4, I just want to read a couple verses to get us started this evening. Ezra chapter 4, look with me at verses 1 and 2, if you would, please. Ezra chapter 4, beginning at verse number 1, the Bible says, Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of captivity built the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, then they came to Zerubbabel, and to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, let us build with you, for we seek your God as ye do, and we do sacrifice unto him since the days of, as haddon king of Asher, which brought us up hither. Tonight we will see what happens when Satan takes notice of us serving and following God and what he's going to do, and what we need to do in return. So let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get started uh, in this portion of Scripture. Lord, again, we love you. We thank you for those that are here tonight. Thank you for the time that we've had already today. Lord, just a sweet fellowship this morning uh, in the service, a time of learning, a time of of worship, a time of singing, and again this evening as well as we were able to uh, exalt you in song. Lord, I pray that you would help us now that we've opened up your word. Lord, that we've read some of the scriptures tonight. Lord, that we can focus on how we need to prepare ourselves. How we need to make sure we take a stand for what is right and to follow your leading. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to hearts tonight as only you can. That you would be honored and glorified with all that's said and done in this place. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we jump back into this study, I want you, first of all, uh, to see the celebration. This is kind of a, a review of what we looked at the first uh First three chapters of the book of Ezra, again, it was a great success for the nation of Israel. God had allowed them to come out of Babylon after being in captivity for 70 years. And not only that, the, the king that had taken their spoils of war uh, had been taken and given back to the nation of Israel. They were renewed with an excitement that they had, had, had long forgotten about. And now that they were able to serve and to worship God. The feast, the festivals, the foundation of the temple were all created for this joy for people to have as they served God. And again, this was probably a time that they had, had never had this excitement about serving God in their lives. They probably never even come to this point of realizing all that God had done until they made it through the wilderness of, of the travel and going through from uh, where, they, where they were at in Babylon and now entering back into Jerusalem this was a great time. This was a time of celebration, a time of great understanding of all that God has done. You know, it seems to be sweeter uh, what we recognize what God has done when he's taken us through the valleys. When we've gone through the trials, when we've gone through those troubles and we come out on the other side, and we're like, Woo, I made it. We get excited because we know what it was like on the other side. But I'm thankful that God can bring us through. I'm thankful he just doesn't lead us into the valley and says, you're staying there. I don't know about you, but I don't like being in the valley. I like being on the mountaintop. Everybody likes being on the mountaintop. But you know what? Nothing grows on the mountaintop. You go to the mountains and you see the beautiful pictures. And, and there are now, when we were in Alaska, we loved looking at the mountains and how beautiful they were. Uh, the, the snow was there. Oh, it was so nice. But there's only rocks up there. What grows is down in the valley. What grows is when you come down off that mountain. And for us to grow as Christians, there's times He's got to take us off that mountaintop, bring us into the valley, and allow us to go through some of those troubles and trials. To get through that muck and mire, if you would, of the world. And that's exactly where the nation of Israel was right now, as they were coming coming back into Jerusalem. They were celebrating. Things were going great. And I warn you that when things are going great, look out. Satan's just around the corner. He's sneaking his ugly head in and he's going to look and he's going to try to defeat you. He's going to try to knock you down. This is why we've got to stand strong. We've got to understand what we believe in, why we believe it, and stand strong for the truth. Again, this was their spiritual high, if you would. Many of them had never been as this, this close to God before in their life. But again, that's when Satan's going to attack. And this is what... We find the true opposition that will come around and, and try to defeat us. Um, oftentimes, we don't know what we believe until we've been tested. Uh, again, that's the, the, the true thing of anything. You don't know how good anything is until it's been tested. You know, that's why they always say never buy the first year car of a, of a remake because it's never been tested. They don't know what it's going to do and, and years go by. So you never buy the first year. I was always taught that. Okay, this is great. This is a new car. I'll buy you next year maybe. I won't buy it anyway. Um, But again, it's so it can be tested. We're the same way. Uh, We have to go through those tests sometimes to see what we're going to do to make it through and if we're going to make it through. For believers today, we fight that same opponent, and his ways have not changed. Satan still fights today the same way he fought back then. Understanding his tactics, knowing what he's going to do, how he's going to try to defeat us will help us gain victory. As we draw closer to God... We must decide to take a stand to follow what the Bible instructs. And again, this creates a problem. Satan doesn't like that. When we take a stand, when we decide we're going to stand for God, Satan is going to be there. Satan is going to try to trip us up. But again, this is why we've got to stick to the Lord as close as possible. When we decide to take that stand and follow what the Bible instructs, again, Satan's going to be there. This is probably not a, a Christian here today that has not questioned a spiritual decision in their life because of the issues that created following that decision. When we decide, hey, uh, I'm going to follow God and Satan is there to try to defeat us and knock us down, there may be times that we'll look back and say, man, why did? I don't, I don't know if I should have done that. I shouldn't have. But the Lord is always there to say, you know what, keep going. He's there to encourage us. Keep going. Keep doing what you're supposed to do. I'm reminded a lot of times of our scriptural songs that we sing. You know, there's a reason we sing the ones we do. You know, out of all the scriptures we've got, uh, you stop and think about the songs that we sing. There are a lot of them that are focused on us as we're going through trials and troubles that the Lord is going to be there. I think of Isaiah 41.10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of thy righteousness. Again, it's a reminder to us that God is always going to be there. He's going to help us. But it's amazing how these songs will come to mind as we're going through those trials. As you're walking down uh, life's path throughout the week, hopefully these things will come back to your memory to help encourage you and strengthen you as you go along. When Satan fights us, we must learn to fight back with Scripture. And that's the whole reason we sing some of these songs. But I want to share with you tonight a new song oh yes we're gonna learn a new song i want you to turn with me to isaiah chapter 43 <clears throat> isaiah chapter 43 and i will warn you ahead of time you're gonna to have to get a little excited this evening <laughs> this is not a slow song this is not one that you you're, you're gonna uh hey wave your hands anything like that. you may get up and you stop to think, <clears throat> Isaiah, you're a shepherd boy on the hillside watching your sheep trying to stay awake. Amazing. <clears throat> it's going to put you to sleep, right? This song is a little peppier, so I'm giving you fair warning, amen. So <clears throat> I often think of a Russian song. So if you can think of a, a Russian song style song dust is laughing because he knows the song so is bethany so what this is again if you're looking there isaiah chapter 43 verses 1 through 3 the the song begins with fear not there in verse number one all of verse number two and the first phrase of verse number three okay those are the exact words to this song i'm going to sing it through one time and then we're going to go through it a couple of times with the congregation okay all right hang on to your hats here we go not, for I have redeemed
1: thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine, when thou passest through the water, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee, when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle
0: upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God. Hey, there we go. Wake you up a little bit. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. That's the song. Again, stop and think about what it is. When we go through the fires, when we go through the trials, when we go through the waters, guess what? God said, I'm going to be with you. When you make it through, I'm going to be on the other side. I'm going to help you through. It's not something that we have to worry about dreading going through because God is always going to be there. Amen. So we're going to sing this a couple times so everybody can participate, wake up a little bit tonight. So we'll do it a little slower. And Bridget um, will bang out the melody here a little bit to help you understand the, the song and how it goes. You've got the words, right? Everybody found the words? Isaiah 43, 1 through 3. Okay, here we go.
1: <clears throat> Fear not. For I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the river they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee, for I am the
0: Lord thy God. Hey! You can at least get the last phrase right, all right? <laughs> think, well, that's kind of a tongue twister. It is. It really is. But uh, again, stop and think about the words to what's been written here. When thou passest through the water. Notice it and say if. When you pass through the water. I will be with thee. Whether it's the rivers or the fire, when you get overwhelmed, when things are overflowing, you're not going to get burnt up because God is going to be there. I will be with thee because I am the Lord thy God. That's who it is we serve. That's the one that's here to help us and direct our lives. Let's do it one more time, shall we? <clears throat> now that you've got your tongue untied, let's try it. Here we go. Fear not, for I have redeemed
1: thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the water, I will be with thee, and through the river they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee, for I
0: am the Lord thy God. All right, very good. So we get to learn a new scripture song tonight, and again, something we can hopefully commit to memory uh, through time. We may sing this again next week, I don't know, we'll wait and see. But uh, again, it's a great portion of scripture. As we're going through and we're, we're understanding who God is and what he's there to do, understand that we are not to fear because God is the one that's in control. Uh, things were going so well for the Jews, again, that they caught the attention of somebody else that was around. First of all, we saw the celebration. Number two tonight, we see the corruptors. The corruptors, again, as we read there in verses 1 and 2 of Ezra chapter number 4, it caught the attention of somebody as they were there building. Let's read again there, Ezra chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity built the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, then they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said unto him, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as ye do. And you do sacrifice unto him since the days of Ashrahadad, the king of Asher, which brought us up hither. Again, everything was going well at this point. Uh, They were celebrating, rebuilding. All that had been going on, everything was great. But Satan started fighting back, as we mentioned before. Here we find a group of people that wanted to help rebuild. They wanted to help the physical labor and maybe uh, getting the the things rebuilt and all that was going on. So, So what was the big deal? What was the problem? They worshiped the same God, they said. So we even offer sacrifices. Doesn't sound anything wrong with that, does it? But here we find a group of people that Ezra calls the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin. Who were they? These were the Samaritans. The Samaritans were the mixed race of people. When the Assyrians would conquer a land, they would deliberately intermingle the nations of people. And over time, they would intermarry and dilute their religious beliefs and cultures and weaken them. You go back and look in Second Kings chapter 17, and verse 24. It gives a list of different people groups that the king of Assyria brought together. Babylon, Cuthah, uh, Ava, Hamath, and so on. And the Jews complained that, again, there was no real God. There was no one teaching uh, what was going on in their beliefs because of what they were allowing them to do was getting different people in there to mix them up. So the king decided, I'll send people out to teach and to train uh, other cities about this God. But here was the problem. They would go and train, but it would be nothing more than just adding another God, lowercase g, to their worship. We can look at 2 Kings chapter 17 and verse 29 says, How be it every nation made gods, lowercase g, gods of their own, and put them in the houses of the high places which the Samaritans had made. You're bringing somebody else to teach and train who you say your God is, and it's nothing more than just somebody else. We're to add to our list of people to worship. Verse number 33 says, They feared the Lord and served their own lowercase gods, after the manner of the nations whom they carried away from thence. It was nothing more than saying, hey, I'm going to worship somebody else today. I'm going to add another god to our multi-god culture here. There's a lot of people who offer help to churches today. They, they want to come in together and they want to be unified. We often use this term of ecumenicalism. I'm not sure if you've heard of that. But that's what a lot of people identify as today. We can all get along, we all worship the same God, and, and we're no different than anybody else. Everything's okay. That's their idea. This movement, again, promotes cooperation for a better understanding between denominations. Well, if we get together, we talk about it, I can see your point of view, and I can understand you better, and, and you can do the same for me, and hey, everything's okay, right? That's, the, that's their thinking, that's their mentality. This is what will help break down those barriers of doctrine. Doctrine. Doctrine, the teachings of what we believe. And there's a lot of people that, that fall into this and think, well, it's great. If I can get along with this person, that person, and, and uh, we can all get together, singing Kumbaya, and everything's great and happy. Woo! Got to be careful of that. Got to be careful of that. So what's wrong with ecumenicalism? Is it even biblical? Yes, it is biblical. You may be shocked, but what? It is biblical. Think about this. We are to unite under one banner. But the Bible calls it evangelism, not ecumenicalism. We are to to not have any divisions among true believers. There's no race barrier. There's no sex barrier. There's no denomination barrier. We should all follow the same Scripture, believing the same practice, doing all the same thing. Here's the problem. People decided to put their own opinions in there. They decide that, well, I think we should do it this way. Well, I think it means this. Well, here's the interpretation that I think. And that's what draws everybody off course. We are all to come together, yes, unified under the banner of Christ. We understand that. He is our banner. Again, Scripture shows us that. But what happens is we start believing man's ideas and philosophies versus the Bible. Somebody's opinion becomes more important than Scripture. Let me remind you, this is the perfect and final authority that I have in my life. This should be the same for you as well. This is what we go to. This is where we get our answers. This is what we draw from. Not somebody's opinion, not somebody's ideas, but Scripture. And this is why it's important that everything we believe, everything we do, is based around what we find in this book. Stop and think about what's going on in in the United Methodist Church. I don't know if you know what's going on there. But there's a large issue of, 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 of a lot of the churches wanting to split out of uh, the United Methodist Church. What they call the UMC, the overall uh, denomination. There's a lot of them wanting to move out because of the LGBTQ plus rights that they think everyone has. And all the other liberal issues that they're dealing with. It all goes back to their idea of allowing women to be priests and pastors. Now you're saying, well you're getting sexist. No I'm not, I'm, go- I'm giving you scripture. It's what the Bible says. So again, we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, so we're going to let them. What does the Bible say? Well, we want to feel them included. What does the Bible say? Again, we have to go back to Scripture. And this is why it's important that we, we take everything we believe from the Word of God. It doesn't matter what, what people say. We uh, need to go back to what, what God says. And there's people going to throw around the idea of, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want them to feel left out. I don't either. This is why Christ died for all. But he gives us the guidelines through his word that we are to follow, that we are to look at and to understand. So why is it that we can't come together as all these different denominations and all these beliefs and people say, well, we all believe the same thing. We all have the same God. No, we don't. We don't believe the same. Amos chapter 3, verse number 3, it says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? Now, if you and I are going to walk somewhere, guess what? We've got to decide on which way we're going to walk how fast we're going to walk, the direction we're going to take, uh, and so on and so forth. So if we're not believing the same thing, then we can't walk together because we're not going the same direction. We don't have the same beliefs. We don't have the same idea. Well, I'm going to walk this fast. Well, I'm going to walk that fast. I'm going to walk slower. I'm going to walk backwards. We're not walking the same. So it's important that we understand what we believe because there's a lot of Christians today that have no idea what they believe. As I mentioned this morning, there's some that just fall into that religious trap because mom and dad did it, or that's the way we've always done it. We've got to understand what we believe. Know from Scripture why we believe what we believe, and make that truth in our life. To worship together, we must worship the same way and the same person. We can't have different views of Scripture, opinions, and walk together. All of this goes back to knowing and understanding our beliefs. When it comes to Scripture, we allow our feelings and emotions to outweigh what God says. We no longer study to show ourselves approved unto God. Therefore, we have no idea what we believe when we are confronted with current issues. And again, there's a lot of people today that get caught up with what the world is saying right now. Go back to the Bible. 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 I can't say it enough. Because the world's ideas and philosophies are always going to change. They're always going to be fluid and moving in one way or another. This is why we must be cemented in what the Bible says. When you invite the corruptors in, then number three, we find the compromise. The compromise. Look with me in verses three through five. It says But Zerubbabel and Joshua, or Jeshua, and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, You have nothing to do with us to build a house unto our God. But we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, hath commanded us. Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, until, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. We find in this portion where the chief of the fathers of Israel were taking a stand. If you remember... When they were leaving Babylon, they had asked who was it that was going to go. They said, uh, basically, present your papers. Hey, I want to see your passport. Where did you come from? Who's your family name? And where are you from? Again, they were checking to make sure who was part of what family and that they were not some type of intermingled people. And we uh, Again, we talked about that as some of them went off and married people from their local land. And some of them were even given the privilege of, of, of being a priest or working in the temple. And when they came to to, to King, to gather back together to come back to Jerusalem. They said, wait a minute. Who are you? Who is your father? Prove it. And there's some that could not prove it. So why was it they would uh, uh, not allow those people that had been living with them to come, but yet allow these people to come? It was not going to happen. They were going to make sure that the right people were there to, to help build and do what it is they wanted to do. They wanted to be a part, but yet they were not allowed because... They were not going to allow these Samaritans to join in that rebuilding. Think of a different outcome from this merger. These outsiders would have mingled in with the Jewish remnant and helped them to build what this, uh, this new wall or build this, this temple again. What would that allow? There would be some socializing and maybe some intermarrying that would have been done just like it was with others. You may not realize that that was against the law of Moses as well. They were commanded back in Exodus chapter 34 as they entered the promised land that they were to go in and drive out the inhabitants and destroy their altars, destroy their gods and their groves. They didn't do that. They were also not to to take their sons or daughters as spouses because it would have caused them to leave the true and living God and follow the gods of their land. What did the nation of Israel do? Exactly that. Over and over again, each time they conquered a new people, they took on other gods. Or they would allow marriages into other lands and other people. Israel was a nation set apart from other nations because God had given them a special task. As believers, we have been given that same task to reach the world. To help evangelize the lost and train them so they can understand what the Bible teaches This means we are to separate ourselves from the things of this life, to focus on God, not to to do what everybody else does, but to follow God. Look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Look with me at verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 14. Again, a familiar passage many people know. It says, But be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Oftentimes we look at this verse in relation to marriage. You know, we should not marry somebody that we are not equally yoked with. But this goes far beyond just being married. We need to understand what it is we're to do. We go on to read there in verse number 17 of that same scripture. And it commands us to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord... Paul warns Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 to not entangle himself with the affairs of this life. So we've been given warnings over and over and over again throughout Scripture to to make sure that we've got the right influences, the right friends, the right people that are around us because that is what's going to steer us one way or another. However, I will say this, separation is not isolation. There are some people that take this too far. They say, well, I'm going to separate ourselves and we're going to go uh, live in a home out somewhere uh, where nobody can see us. And we're going to live off the land and we're not going to uh, see anybody. Uh, It's going to be so far back that we're going to have to pump in daylight because that's how far back we're going. But that's not what scripture teaches us. It doesn't teach us isolation. Again, we're to be out and make friends. We're to be out and be that influence. Matter of fact, you go back and you study Jesus' life. Was he not a friend of the publicans and the sinners? Okay. So again, there's a fine line that we've got to understand that we cannot cross. Yes. But again, we're to be out there to influence others and point them to Christ. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Did Matthew 5, 16 tell us that? So again, we've got to understand. We've got to be in the world. We've got to show the light of Christ where we're at, where God has placed us. Another idea with allowing these unbelievers to help is the sabotage that could have taken place. They would have worked alongside with them, no doubt, and the adversaries would have been there. Things could have still gone wrong, even though they were right next to them. You know, you kind of pick a fight. You ever done that with people? Kind of start something and then reach over here and tell them tell them something different. Kind of step back and watch them go at it. Okay, maybe I'm the only one that's done that. Uh, <laughs> but they could be there and they could just there stir in the pot. Well, you know, he doesn't believe. Oh, what about that? And... Let them go at it they could have easily stopped that again they're trying to build uh the temple so anything they could do to defeat them to get them off track they would do it whoops uh well, i broke your uh trial here uh, uh sorry about that and anybody that has kids understands broken tools misplaced tools well i don't know what happened to that one or lost it or something we know what it's like it's not like they could run down to hope depot and grab another one right uh, they could have mixed the mortar wrong. Hey, they're trying to rebuild the temple. They've got some mortar they're mixing up to put the rocks in. And, and whoa, it's too watery. Oh, well, I just ruined all the resources. Ah, oh, look, it's easy to push over. Huh. They could have sabotaged a million different things. A lot of ideas could have gone down and thinking of what they're going to do to defeat them and what they were doing. This had to be the, the, the cause, again, thinking of their their defense could have uh, hindered their process of getting all things done that they had set in order. But unfortunately, the compromised work to some degree. They weren't able to to build as they wanted to. In verses 4 and 5, the enemy told lies about the Jews and encouraged the people of the land to do everything possible to discourage the workers and hinder their process. They even hired counselors to influence the local officials to stop this project. That's how far they went. They actually hired somebody else to come in and, and cause problems. They, they told the building, building inspector lies or whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's how they were working. They were doing everything they could. Again, Satan does not fight fairly. He will do everything in his power to defeat Christ in what he's trying to do. Cyrus was given the Jews permission again to return to the land and rebuild their temple. And from 536 B.C. to 530 B.C., the work progressed. But in 530... It stopped. It didn't resume until 520 B.C. So what happened? Why did it stop? Why did they quit building the temple? It didn't happen because the king ordered them to. Didn't happen. didn't stop because somebody said, hey, you need to quit. The Jews were scared of what was going to happen. They were afraid of the enemy. They were afraid of those that were out there uh, again that were watching them. And when they got scared and quit, they refocused their attention to building their own house. Taking care of self. Making sure I'm okay. Because nobody's going to defeat no one's going to try to stop me to do that, right? It's not a spiritual thing. It's, it's a personal thing. And this compromise continued and it brought about more complaints. Number four tonight are the complaints. In verses 6 through 16, we find a letter written to King Artaxerxes complaining of all these Jews and what they were doing. Ezra gets things out of order chronologically to continue with the theme of the opposition to the work of the Lord. But look with me at chapter four, verse number twelve. Ezra chapter four, verse number twelve, it says, Be it known unto the king that the Jews which came up from thee to us are coming unto Jerusalem, building the rebellious and bad city, and have set up the walls thereof, and joined the foundations. Wait a minute. What were they coming to do? When they come into Rebuild the temple. What happened? Why all of a sudden they went from laying the foundation, they get the altar set up, they set the foundation, and they're praising, and they're celebrating, to now they're building a rebellious city. Big difference there. They've stopped doing what they were intentionally uh, intentionally doing of rebuilding the temple to now they're trying to build the walls of the city. That's not what the king had allowed them to do. It wasn't what he wanted them to do. The rebuilding of the temple had been halted, which was uh, what the enemy and what Satan had originally intended to do to try to defeat that, to stop that. He understood the importance of the temple and what it was there to do. So when they stopped building that and they started building the walls, they were like, hey, we won we won this battle. But that's not what happened. That didn't stop there. Look with me at verse number 13. Be it known now unto the king that if, that if this city be builded and the wall set up again, then will they not pay toll, tribute, and custom, and so thou shalt end damage the revenue of the kings. King, if you keep letting this go, guess what? You're not going to get any money. Money talks, doesn't it? Hey, king, you better stop this because you're not going to get any money for these people. They're not going to pay the toll. They're not going to pay the tribute. The custom money that's been brought in, you're not going to get any of it. They then began to play on the emotional strings of the king, and uh, they didn't want him to be dishonored. That was their idea. Lord, uh, king, we don't want you to be dishonored with what's going on. Don't be like the rest of the kings because the kings before you allowed this and. A lot of trouble happened. Look at verse 15. That searcheth may be made in the book of the records of thy fathers. So shalt thou find in the book of the records. And know that this city is a rebellious city. And hurtful unto kings and provinces. That they have moved sedition within the same of the old times. For which cause was this city destroyed? King, check the book. Check your records. You'll know we're right because we understand what's happened. We've seen it before. Don't be like the other kings. Don't fall into the same problems that the other kings had. You don't want to allow them to build this. So again, he's playing on them. They're trying to get them to to make a decision, to make a command. Can I tell you, Satan does the same thing in our lives. He doesn't play fair. He's always using tricks. He's trying to do things that... What, stop us from serving god and keep us from doing what we know we're supposed to do this is why again it's important that uh, the leadership here had taken a stand they had made a confrontation they had stood up for what they believe and said look this is what we're going to do and you need to follow it there's a reason for it now we stop and think about all those that were out there working uh, again think of the jews that were out there that were maybe digging up some rocks and saying yeah Okay, this is big enough we can put it on the wall or mix and mortar or, or whatever it was they were doing. Hey, did you hear, Joe, that uh, those guys want to help us? Oh, really? Yeah, but you know the big wigs, they don't want to allow it. Oh, I can't believe that. They're not out here breaking their back. They're not out here uh, doing all this heavy lifting and working. And, and who, does, who does these guys think they are anyway? These people want to help? Why not let them help? So a lot of times... Worker bees don't understand what it takes in leadership to make those decisions. And it's important that we understand that that God places leadership into those positions because decisions have to be made. And that's exactly what happened here. They said, look, we're going to take a stand. You're not going to be allowed to come into work with us because we know what's going to happen in the end. We know what they're coming for. We know the, the real reason that they're here. In reality, they knew what was going on. They understood the implications of allowing something like this to take place. And they've relied on God to direct their paths. This is what we must do as we make decisions every day. Ask the Lord to show us. Rely on the indwelling Holy Spirit to, again, direct us as we choose the right way to go. As a pastor, as a parent, as a Christian in general, I don't want to allow the enemy to help build or repair my defense Because that can lead to destruction. This is why, again, it's important as we're building our lives, as we're trying to do what God wants us to do, we need to focus on Him. We need to direct our our attention on Him. Lord, help me to follow You. Help me to make those right decisions. So we've got to learn to follow Him. Tonight, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Are you making sure that your defense is strong? Are you protecting the greatest assets you have? And that's our lives. That's focusing on God. That's allowing Him to help us. That's what we need to focus on. That's what we need to make sure is strong. Fathers, you're in charge of your home. Are you protecting your home like you should? Are you, again, eliminating those distractions, those things that can easily pull your family away? There's a lot of Christians today that have not made that choice, and they're regretting it. But we need to make sure that we follow the Lord. Want Him to give us the direction we need. So tonight again, are we focused on what God wants and making sure we're doing right? i ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes again tonight as we have a time of invitation to reflect and think about what and who we are to, to follow and how again our beliefs are impacted by all the things that are going on. Satan in this world wants nothing more than for us to stay defeated, to us to stay quiet and to remain of... Beaten down and broken. This is why again it's important that we must fortify our lives. Strengthen our lives with the word of God. Take time to study it. To, to see what it has us.